This is Dr. Bats, and this is Let's Talk. Welcome back. Glad that you can join us for some stimulating conversation. This evening, we're going to talk to Dwayne Jones. He is the CEO of Preventive Measures, Inc. and the chairman of Preventive Measures Foundation. Welcome, Dwayne. How are you, man? I'm well. I'm well. Um, thanks for having me, Dr. Bats. Listen, I'm excited to have you on the show, man. We're going to talk about black wealth. We're going to talk about the new face of philanthropy. We're going to talk about wealth strategies, all things money. Uh, Wanted to have you on here because I know that this is something that you're committed to. You are a local to the Lehigh Valley, has some deep connections here and, and, and care deeply about what goes on here. Let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Folks that don't know you, I mean, who are you? Where are you from? Where do you begin? Like, just tell us a little about your story. As you said, I'm, I'm, I'm a native of Allentown, born and raised, raised on uh, 2nd Street in Allentown and attended all the public school system in Allentown from Sheridan, Harrison Morton, graduated from Duroff High School, was given the opportunity, full scholarship to Shippensburg University to play football, which again was a saving grace for me, I believe, mm. to be able to have an opportunity for education and to kind of get out of uh, the second ward or, or 2ND, as we used to call That's it. Right. That's right. That's right. 2ND, man. I remember those days, two, man. 2 two ND, and, and so, you know, now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father of two boys, two sons, grown men, Devin and Darius Jones, and mm-hmm. we, we raised them in uh, Bethlehem, and they were Liberty graduates. They now also walk alongside of me and preventive measures. Um, you know, I'm the sole owner of Preventive Measures, Inc., which oversees all of our preventive measures, outpatient mental health clinics, and um, home care operations. We have about nine locations between Pennsylvania, D.C., Georgia, and we have some new operations um, coming on in uh, Maryland and New Jersey. So, so, so we're not talking about a, a small company. You said uh, about nine locations, and you mentioned multiple states there. Yes, nine locations, multiple states, right around 500 employees and contractors. So, wow. yeah, we're, we're not a mom and pop anymore. No, no, um, no, not, not when you start <laughs> talking about 500 employees, man. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and, and like you said, anymore, right? So it sounds like you're on your way to uh, you're really growing something that is clearly uh, intergenerational. So when we have this conversation around wealth, you're talking about Darius and Devin being involved in your work. So you're going to be at some point passing the torch, huh? Yes, yes, yes. And it was a privilege to me as a father for them to voluntarily, after they graduated from school, join Preventive Measures. That's right. They both went to school in New York, and they were both business and economic majors. And, you know, initially out of school, just like a lot of their peers, everybody had the dream of Wall Street jobs, and Mm. some had the dreams of, uh, you know, the the big five accounting firms. And so they, they interviewed and I think entertained it. But ultimately, I believe they realized that you know, the vision that I have for preventive measures, you know, they've been hearing about it since 2008, and they realized that it was really becoming something that was big. And, um, you know, initially they couldn't, I'm sure they couldn't see how they could spend it because they were business majors. And then the more conversation we would have, 
It was like, hey, we have business departments. We have a whole. That's right. We have a whole finance and billing department. You know, we hire accounting firms and audit firms. So, so there's a huge business component to what we do. As a matter of fact, I'm a public administration major. Most people, once they find out I'm the owner of preventive measures, they immediately ask me, "Am I a psychiatrist or a therapist?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, ne- I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm neither. You, you know how to manage <laughs> psychiatrists and therapists. Huh? <laughs> I know. I know how to manage. I know how to manage people. That, manage that, people. That's that, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's my gift. Yeah. So they found their way, and, and so my youngest son Darius is with us now, right? A, a little over a year, and my oldest son is with us already going on uh, five years. So anyone who knows you or even just listening to you speak for, 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 you know, this this first three or four minutes, it's clear that education is important to you. It's clear that family is important to you. And it's clear that community is important to you. You you could have started a business doing anything, right? And and, and I truly believe that with the way that your mind works and, and your passion, but you chose to give back to your community. You chose to support mental health in the community and wellness. Why? It, it, it's ironic he said that. Prior to preventive measures, I was a business owner. I owned a barbershop for about 17 years in, okay. on Second Street. And again, you know, because family's so important to me, uh, after the passing of my grandfather my senior year in college, um, when I graduated, I chose to come back and to kind of be supportive of my grandmother. My grandparents were just, you know, very, very significant in my life. So I came back to the community, and I literally purchased the building, the house right next door to where I was raised wow. uh, at 24 and a half North 2nd Street and opened a barbershop there. was there for about 10 years, and then the last seven years I was out on 15th Street now in town. But, and so, what, what years are you talking about here? It was like 93, 93, 94. Okay, I, I'm just interrupting because we need context, right? So when you're talking about opening a barbershop on 2ND in 1993, 94, you're talking about the height of the crack era. You're talking about oh, yeah. it's a rough time, right? Yes, yes. Early 90s on 2nd Street was a rough time. Yeah, And yeah. you not only survived, you chose to come back and serve that community. Correct. Not only did I have that barbershop there, I coached football for the Allentown A's. Okay. Again, that was the place where I started to be able to um, see that I had some gifts as an athlete. And there were coaches there that I could remember that were imperative to my success. Andre Reed, I played football with Andre Reed, who, you know, I, as we know now, the Hall of Fame That's right. NFL player. Well, I, you know, I played with Andre Reed. But his father was inspirational to me because he was one of my coaches. Um, Roy Seacotch, Fred Benson, George Clay. These were men that gave their time and energy and didn't receive a dollar. And so they helped me become who I was, mm. not only as an athlete, but as a young man. They, they demanded respect, and so they taught us respect. So, so because these people... Men. Men teaching men respect. Because these men poured into you, you came back and coached. You started a business. You raised your sons. Or something. You get, you came back and poured into the community that nurtured you is what I'm hearing. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I lived in Bethlehem, but when my sons started to play Little League, 
they I brought them back down to Allentown. And the A's and, are still um, here. I mean, I, I, shout, shout out to here. April Riddick. I think April Riddick's running the A's right now, right? That's April Riddick's a big part of it. Albert Elliott is the president. Okay. April Riddick, I believe, is the vice president. And we even still have the opportunity. We actually purchased most of the uniforms probably for the last three to five years. You're transitioning us now. So you came up through the A's. You came up on the block. You came back, started a business. You turned that into a, a successful mental health business, 500 employees, and you're still connected and donating to the organization that birthed and, and, and loved and nurtured you as a child. Correct. Correct. Every year I connect with the Allentown A's and Albert Elliott. And I, and I, also, I also connect with some of the other um, Little League organizations around the city, wall-to-wall, Chuck Rockmore. That's right. Um, shout out to Chuck um, Rockmore, man. He does some yeah, great shout work. out to Chuck. We donate to their organization. Uh, we donated to the Eastside Youth Center, mm. Mountainville, LCYA. I believe athletics was an imperative part of my development. So it's normal for me to think, well, if it could help me, it could help some other young men. That's right. And, and, that, and again, I coached there for years, all the way up to the point where my sons went to high school. I was also a high school football coach at Central Catholic in Darrow High School. So, again, very, very deep roots in Allentown, from Little League to high school to my son's plan to business. And now we make sure we, we support financially the organizations uh, of that community. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I believe we met, if I'm not mistaken, at, at one of our events uh, event around nonviolence where you just walked up to me with a check. Yes. You know, yeah, un- un- the ADP. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was a uh, in gun violence event to stop youth violence unsolicited. You just walked up and said, how can I help? Pulled out your checkbook and, and, and handed me a nice size check, man. And it was like I saw you and, you know, I had known of you, but you're reserved. So you're not someone that we've solicited funds from because you're humble, right? Like you're, you're laid back, but you are a philanthropist. You know, the more I've got to, had, I've been blessed to have the chance to get to know you, I've learned you are a philanthropist, and you're one of the people that has helped me to understand this idea of black philanthropy. I, w- I want to read something to you that, that I pulled offline, right? It says, black philanthropy is a collective power that celebrates the strong tradition of black giving in our community. Giving back, whether through time, talent, or treasure, has long been a tradition within the black community, but this collective philanthropy can sometimes go unrecognized. You just spoke to yeah. all of the names of the people that showed up and volunteered for the A's. You talked about the giving that you give. But when we think of philanthropists in our community, your name doesn't pop up. Your face doesn't pop up. And the last sentence here says, right, that this collective philanthropy can sometimes go unrecognized. What's that yeah. about? You know, I, I think it's unfortunate. But in our communities, you know, we we. Just like in any other position or place, our community always has to be 10, 20, 30 times better to be recognized. Mm. And I think it's the same type of thing when it comes to philanthropy. And, you know, um, and so. So you've got to be Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Bill Cosby (laughs) for for, for people to recognize just a philanthropist, essentially, right? Exactly. Exactly. And. You know, Dr. Batch, you've gotten to know me. I'm not walking in with a Rolex. I'm not walking in with a seven-piece suit on. No. I'm not walking in with diamonds hanging off my neck. And That's so right. it's easy for 
people to look over me and not recognize. And, and the reality is I'm okay with that. But you're walking in with 500 employees, generational business, and with a heart that's deep within the community and a belief in giving back. Yes. And that gets yes. forgotten. I want, I want to read what, what we call a staggering statistic to you. We always share staggering statistics on this show. It says nearly two-thirds of black households donate to community-based organizations and causes to the tune of $11 billion a year. According to a joint 2012 study from the Kellogg's Foundation, it says black households on average give away 25% more of their income per year than white households. So, so black households are giving away. And, and we're not just talking about the church, right? Because... When, when, when they begin to really look at this, yeah, the church is part of it, but it says also we're talking about community-based organizations. So this is an untapped resource, um, unrecognized resource that we're talking about. Black households are givers. Um, and you mentioned some of those names. I'm sure you can go through all the names of the people on your block that cared about you. Like that's a form of giving sure. and even cutting checks. Mama been cutting checks at the church for some time now. That's right. And I believe that's the foundation. You know, the foundation of the black community is the church, and the black and the church survived on the giving of the church members. And so I believe that that spirit was placed in the black community. So for us to give of our time, talents, and treasures was really a way of survival, mm. right? Talks because us. the black the black community um, survived, and really, at the church, the church was the institution that we really learned from. It wasn't the educational system, you know. It wasn't even the workforce. It was it was really the church. And so, my, like my grandparents, my grandfather was the first deacon at probably the most established church in Allentown at the time, and that was. Union Baptist and Horace Milton was the okay. the founder. Shout out to, to, to Pastor Milton and Pastor Haley, current day Pastor. Pastor Haley, yes, yes, yes. And my grandfather was the first deacon. The first deacon and ever. The first deacon of Union Baptist. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And he and and he was also one of the board members, original board members to the Negro Cultural Center. So this That's, is in your DNA. This is in my DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, in, it was in my DNA. I was raised in it, around it, and, you know, it's who I am. So let's let's talk about where you're at at this point in your life. You're building a foundation. You've been you've been a philanthropist for some time, and now you're structuring it to where you're starting um, Preventive Measures Foundation. Yes. Talk to us about the foundation, yes. the direction, the goals, what it's about, where it's at. Because you're, you're in more than just Pennsylvania at this point. Your heart, you started in Allentown, but your business was built in Atlanta, D.C., and other places, right? Correct. Correct. So the foundation, we're proud that we were actually given our 501, 501c3 status here this summer. And we are officially located out of Allentown, but the reality is... My vision is for the foundation to have a global footprint. Mm. And when I say global footprint, it's everyone who has a need for mental health services, mental health education, or mental health support, I want to be able to reach. In the last couple of years, I've had 
the opportunity to do some traveling, and I realized that there's a need for mental health support services and education everywhere. That's right. And, and so I don't want to allow Preventive Measures Foundation to be limited to the United States. I want us to be able to provide, again, services, support, education in multiple languages and wow. in, in, in multiple countries. And I believe we have a, a very good foundation as a credible mental health organization um, now in existence for 12 years, actually a little more since 2008. And we serve over 4,000 clients on a daily basis. I, I know you um, walked up to me one day or gave me a call and said, you know, we, we want to help anyone in our community that needs services that can't afford them send them upstairs. And we were sending people to you guys left and right, man, and your people were serving them. It was a beautiful partnership, and it was just something that was whispered into your heart, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. After meeting you at the event, we had been upstairs on the uh, fifth floor at 1101 initially when we opened our Allentown office, and Promise Neighborhoods, some years after, opened up. It was on the third floor. Originally, it was on the third floor. Yep, and now you guys are on the first floor, but and us communicating, and, and we're always, always trying to develop partnerships. That's right. Um, one, one of the things that I, I realize is that, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. So I, I try to be the best at staying in our lane and, mm. and then build relationships with those that are best in their lane. That's right. And if we work together, we can be kind of the best, you know, partnerships to really support people holistically. That's why when, so, when, when you have you have these huge aspirational goals of serving everyone that needs it, right? And, and if many people said that to me, I would say, whoa. But with you, I'm like, this guy's really going to do it <laughs> like, like, because you, you understand collaboration, man. Yes, so, yes. And that's where yes. the success seems to come from is, is, like you said, being an expert in your field and your area and your niche and, you know, pulling on the resources from others. I do want to speak to you made a quote to me one time that has resonated. You said that you can't outgive God. And that's in, in the context of your giving. I asked you about your philanthropy and how you got to this direction mm-hmm. and the foundation. So let's let's talk about that and how it's pushing the foundation forward. You can't yes. outgive God. You can't you can't outgive God. And and again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was raised up in the Baptist church and the statistics that you talked about about two-thirds of black households giving black households giving 11 billion dollars i believe that resonates with me because i realized that the black church is the foundation for that and so in the black church you often heard that comment hey you can't outgive god so giving is never you losing something mm. and and so giving is, you know, always an opportunity for you to have your hand open to release, but also your hand is open to receive. And God's, God don't, doesn't need your money. <laughs> what I believe is God just needs to trust you with money. So, so let me ask you this. The more you give, what I'm hearing you say is that you, you don't feel a loss. You see it multiplied. I see it multiplying. Okay. I see it multiplying. We've increased our giving every year, and we've increased our revenue probably double that. Wow. And and it's almost hard to catch up Wow. to the giving. And so I wanted to really start to organize and be strategic about our giving 
because what can happen in a for-profit industry is your focus is generating revenue, and sometimes the giving could take a back seat. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to organize the nonprofit entity to make sure giving is in the front seat. Wow. It's a front seat. And I personally want to be over there to run that part of the business. And, you know, so giving does not take a, a back seat. So there's you're a, taking all your brain power, all your connections, all your passion, and you're saying, I'm going to put it into the foundation at this point. I'm going to put it into the foundation. I believe our for-profit has a great foundation. Shout out to my Preventive Measures, Inc. corporate team members. We have some great brain power, folks that are, I believe, have captured the vision and are, are really able to really move the vision to the next level with my support. That's right. But I don't need to lead it anymore. Both of my sons are over there. Again, we have some other brilliant, brilliant people. So I don't think we'll lose a beat. So they're going um, to lead the for-profit. Yes. And you're going to lead yes. the non-profit. That's powerful, man. And had it not been for the strength of that staff following your vision, we wouldn't be having this conversation because you wouldn't have the bottom line, the margins that you have to be able to give at the levels that you're giving. Let's talk about levels. We probably got a couple minutes left. Let's talk numbers. What do you want to share? What's the vision? Where you at? Where you're going? What kind of numbers are we talking that you're striving for? In the next three to five years, you know, on the for-profit side, I, you know, I really plan for our operation to be at a, a hundred million in revenue. Okay. Um, and you know, one of the great projects that we have going on now on the for-profit side at Preventive Measures is an online uh, mobile app. And so that mobile app again will give us the opportunity to grow our, our, our for-profit business exponentially. Mm. And so I believe that product by itself will be probably make up for about 50% of what I believe our projected revenue will be over the next three to five years. So we are moving from just brick-and-mortar operations to you know the development of a technology company. That's, that's and so that technology company will make us relevant 10, 15 years from now. And so, again, bringing in some young minds. And, again, we have a great team that is behind this. Um, so I, I have no doubt that we'll reach those numbers. And, and, what, and what does that so, mean in terms of giving? What does $100 million on a for-profit side mean in terms of, of giving? It means in the next three to five years, possibly a nonprofit budget of ten million. Um, you you say giving. these huge numbers like they're nothing, man. I love it. Listen, that's that's <laughs> listen, man. Ten million in giving. You say it like it's nothing. Hey, this is beautiful. We know what's going to happen because everything you've projected so far, you've achieved. Because because the level of work you want to do, the relationships you build, the love that's in your heart, man. You're employing five hundred people across our communities, man. We we appreciate you, Dwayne, man. We love you. We respect you. You are our brother. You are a model to our community. You're straight off of 2ND out of Allentown, man, and, and, and that's real. Uh, in closing, what do you want to say to the people? I want to definitely I want to thank God and, you know, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to thank you, Hassan, and other men like you that are in the community and men and women across the Lehigh Valley community that are really starting to now give us a voice. And um, I just want to let you and everyone in the community know, wherever I can help, 
to be a part of a positive movement. I'm there. You have my support. Mm. And I think to date you've seen that I'm a man of my word and I will follow through. That's right. How do we find you? How do people contact you? Whether they need uh, mental health services, whether they want to learn more about the foundation, whether they want to give to the foundation, because this is also a vehicle for people to contribute and trust you in your uh, decisions that you're making. Yes, yes, yes. You can go to our website at www.preventivemeasuresinc.com. There you'll find all of the information relative to services. By this fall, you will see our our foundation link. Um, We have our mental health uh, awareness walk that's conducted every May. You'll see our scholarship fund. You'll see uh, ways to be employed. Please join us. Be a part of a growing organization. You know, we, we, we're competitive salary, competitive benefits, IRAs, wow. scholarships. You know, we're a quality organization, and uh, I think that's the best place to get all the information about preventive measures. You'll see some information on there about myself. Again, www.preventivemeasuresinc.com. Brother, that that was beautiful, man. We want to take a moment and to thank Dwayne Jones for his time on the show, for his time in the city, for his time in the world, and for all the giving and love that that he offers. Thank you, brother, for all you do, man. How, shout out to you, man. Hats off. Thank you, man. I enjoyed <laughs> that. I enjoyed it. Thank you, listeners, for making the time for this conversation. You can also find past episodes and other public affairs programming on WDIY.org and on all the major podcast platforms. I am Dr. Hassan Batts, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. And we'll see you next time on Let's Talk.